0: Hello, you're listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an Ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 18, where today I am talking to Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Good, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And you know how this works, so I'll let you go ahead and get into it and tell us your story starting from the beginning.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I grew up in a family with uh, immigrant parents. My parents are from Ireland. So we grew up in a uh, household of uh, a lot of Irish Catholic traditions My parents were uh, very devout Catholics, so we were regular church attenders. Um, I have two sisters. I have an older sister who's 10 years older, and I've known forever that she was adopted. And I have a younger sister who's 15 months younger, who I've always known was a great surprise to my family. Um, There was this narrative throughout my life where I was told that my mother had reproductive Uh, health problems. And my parents were married many years, about 16 years before I was born. And I was told this story of how I was just a miracle and I was the answer to many prayers. And my parents were very, very uh, thrilled to have me in addition to my older sister, because it was something that was really important to my mom to have children biologically of her own. And um, I have this entry in my baby's first year calendar that some parents keep that uh, it got to be eight months. And it said, um, stopped breastfeeding today, went to the doctor, babies, such and such weight. And that was a Friday. And then the next Monday, it says, found out I was pregnant again. And that is historically the last entry in my baby's first year calendar, because I think everyone was really shocked that my mother was pregnant again. And then she um, apparently had gotten pregnant a few years, a, a couple more times, but had Lost those pregnancies, and eventually her reproductive issues uh, recurred, and uh, that was the end of my parents expanding their family. But um, throughout my life, I just I kept having this story about how I was this miracle and whatnot. But unfortunately, the sad thing about the way I grew up and the home in which I grew up in is that um, my father was very quiet, very shy. Um, He was gone a lot for work. And my mother, although she always really wanted to have children, go through the process of being pregnant and delivering children, she really wasn't a super engaged mother. And I'm putting that mildly out of some respect to her, but she, she was very Difficult when I introduced my husband to my mother. I'm like, she is challenging, and in that sense, it's um, I've had conversations with people in the last couple of years that talked about the fact that she was, you know, she was always physically abusive, but there was a lot of emotional abuse and manipulation, and really, uh, more teetering on. Abandonment. I, it, she wanted to have children, but then as soon as she had us, she just wanted to get away from us. It was l- very much uh, difficult to be her child. She was the type of parent that she expected a lot of us as far as academic performance, but she would never check our homework. It was just, we were expected to figure everything out. She wanted us to be really um, good dancers, but she never encouraged us to practice. It was a very weird dynamic and she, it was not a very happy house to grow up in. But my sisters and I, we really relied on each other a lot. And there were a lot of events and incidents that happened that were really unpleasant, but I got to be an adult and I started my own home and my own family. And I decided uh, within myself that, you know, at some point I was just going to forgive my mom for all the things that she never asked for forgiveness for you know, there were a lot of things that happened that were very hurtful, but she just isn't the type that's ever going to say she's sorry, or we're not going to learn and grow from it together. So it's my responsibility if I wanted to have a relationship with her to just put all that to bed and to put all of it behind me. So I did. Um, My sister's were less inclined to do so. They they were less likely to say, okay, I forgive mom for A, B, C, and D, and I can move on. But I still live in the same town where I grew up. My sisters do not. And so I just felt like if I wanted to have a relationship with my mom, and therefore my dad, um, then I had to just kind of Get past it on my own, so I did. My therapist says I'm very high functioning, so we're very proud <laughs> of how of how high functioning I am. But I really did just have to uh, get past it. And so, as an adult, I, you know, my kids knew their grandparents and everything was pleasant. But when my mom started to say things that were cruel or hurtful, or where I felt like I was being put in a really childish position, then I would just. Leave and I would just go home. And there was never any confronting about it. There was never any confrontation. There was never any, you know, big apologies or anything like that. It was just accepting things for what they were and moving on and going home. So, if, for all intents and purposes, the the house I grew up in was from the outside it was great, but it, in the inside it was it was just a very it was a, there was a lot of sadness in the house. But you know, then you grow up and you start your own houses and you want to break old patterns. So that's what I did. And that was my life.
0: Are your parents together?
1: They are. They have been married 50, 53 years, I think. Yeah. They've been married a long time. And the thing is my dad, he's very quiet and he's very shy. And he thinks my mother walked on the moon. Like he just adored. He really genuinely does. And he always has. But it made it really complicated growing up because she was so abusive to us that he would never call her on anything. I always said long before my NPE uh, status came about that if my mom ran over somebody with the car, he would be behind her with a shovel to bury the body. Like he just let her run amok and get away with whatever she wanted. Anything she wanted, things if she wanted to buy something and he couldn't afford it and he said anything, she would just flip out and scream and lose it at him. And so he would just let her have whatever she wanted and just anything to make her happy. But I think she was very beautiful and she ended up marrying him. And I think he was just so proud to be married to her that he just loves her so much that he would just let her do anything. And that's how it is even now. And they're much older and uh, he just thinks she is the best thing ever. And so when I was finding romantic partners. I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted someone who treated me like my dad treats my mom, but I wanted to reciprocate that for him. I I used to see my dad like come in from work and just run up and give my mom such a hug and she would push him away and she would turn the other cheek if he tried to kiss her. And I just I I I just thought he adored her so much. And it just it was never really reciprocating. It was always so sad. So my sisters and I Always felt like really defensive and really protective of my dad because he's just like a puppy, you know, and you don't ever want to see a puppy get kicked. You just just love him so much. And he he has been with her a really long time and he's had to put up with a lot. So, you know, he's just he's just a little saint. We just really adore him.
0: It sounds like he is a saint. He is. How did you find out you were an NPE? Well, my husband
1: uh, has always claimed to be Irish, but we didn't, we couldn't trace anything back, and we didn't really know if he was actually Irish or how much Irish. And I was always really into genealogy. My mother didn't share a lot about her ancestry or her background, but my dad orated a really long like multi-generational history. And I was just really interested in it. But then I saw an ancestry commercial that said, you know, there's no one true race of people. And I've always classified myself as being 100% Irish. And so I said, you know what, that's really interesting. Let's find out what else I am. So it was Black Friday a couple of years ago, and it was buy one, get one free. So I bought two and my husband and I both took the test and our results came back in. He was mostly Irish. I was 100% Irish and I made the joke that my DNA is the product of thousands of years of inbreeding (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know whether or not that's accurate, but regardless, so I was all Irish and that was the end of it. That was the last we thought about it until, um, A couple of years later, I had um, an uncle pass away and we were all gathered around at his funeral. And I was telling my other uncles that were there, I said, yeah, we're all Irish. And they said, yeah, of course we are. We're from Ireland. And I was like, no, but it's like, there's no one true race of people. And look, it'll even match us up with family that we're not connected to. And right there at the top of the screen, it said, this other man's name is your father and i probably would have ignored it i probably would have gone about my day and thought it was just some sort of error except i know this man he has been my parents friend for as long as i've been alive yeah he, he's always been in my life he came to my wedding his wife came to my baby showers so that was a shock and we're at this funeral my parents are there my whole family is there. So I left this conversation I was having with my uncles and I took a minute and then I went up to my husband and I showed it to him and he kind of laughed. He's like, Oh, we don't know what that is. And I just told him, "I, I think I have to go home. And we just left. And, uh, since then that has been how we have spiraled out, but that it was my initial introduction to this new world.
0: So you were at the funeral, you Mm -hmm. opened Ancestry on your phone and it says who your father is that while you're talking about your Ancestry results with.
1: with Yeah. With my, with these are my father's siblings and we're all standing around and I was just so dumbstruck that here's this other man who's also his brother was on the other side of the room. The Irish community where I live is, uh it's rather small, and they all are together all the time. So um, the man whose name was listed was not there, but his brother was. And it was just the most shocking thing. It, it, it was not something I would have ever expected in a million years. And I was so taken aback that I l- literally had my husband just take me home. And my parents were in town for um, the... Funeral. They were, they are snowbirds and they were back for the funeral and they were staying at my house for two more days. And I couldn't say anything because in my head I was like, there's something, there's an explanation for this. I cannot dive into this right now. So I am just going to ignore it until they leave, which was very hard to do. But then they left and I started doing more research on. What this actually means, and it could this be an error, and could this just be wrong altogether? And um, I it didn't just pair me up with my biological father, it also paired me up with a half sister. Apparently, my biological father had been gifted this from a, his daughter the previous Christmas, and um, so she took it also, and she was showing up as a half sister and I so I sent her a message and I just said hi this is who I am these are my parents I don't know you who are you and why are you showing up as a it looks like a half sibling and there was no response there was no response and then a few days later I messaged her again and I'm like I'm worried about what's going on here can you explain it to me further and finally she gets a response and I didn't know her because she's a good bit older than I am. And so when I was born, she was probably already in college. And so we had, I'm sure we'd met at one point or another, but I did not know her. And she just said, this is really tough on me too. And I don't really know how to proceed with this. So then I was pretty confident that everything that I was reading was true. And so I called my older sister, who was obviously alive at the time when I was born. She was 10 years old. And I told her what I found out. And we're on the phone. And she just goes, I knew it. And I'm like, wait a minute. You knew this? And she goes, let me rewind. I didn't know that you were this man's child. But I knew mom was having an affair with him. And I go, what are you talking about? And she said, when we were kids, the phone used to ring. And we'd pick it up and there'd be no one there. And then someone would hang up. And then mom would immediately get up and leave the house and say she had to go do something. And she'd be gone for hours and then she'd come back. And he was always around. He'd be over at the house when dad was at work. And I confronted her about this affair when I was a teenager. And so she's, I was like, how old was I? And she goes, at that point when I confronted her, you were probably about seven. And I told her I knew what was going on and it had to stop. And she told me that I was crazy and whatever. And she's like, but I always knew they were having an affair. And, but I did not know that you were his child. I had no idea that that was a thing and whatever. And so then I told my younger sister and she said, well, if this is, it happened for you, then I'm sure I'm his child too. And I said, that's not necessarily true we don't know what's going on. So she's like, well, I'm going to order a DNA test and I'm going to take it. And I'm going to, we're going to get to the bottom of this. So I think I found out on a Saturday. And by this point, it was the next Thursday. And I had already started therapy. Like I had literally called Mm -hmm. a therapist immediately because the only people in my life who knew what was going on at this point were my two sisters and my husband. And the, although they've all been really supportive and really kind, like I couldn't unload on them as much as I needed to. I mean, my husband would walk in the door and I felt like I had to be like, here's all the things I thought about today. Mm-hmm. So I started seeing a therapist you, literally within 72 hours of finding this out. And I'd never been to therapy before. And, you know, she, over like uh, the first two or three visits, she just gave me permission to like handle this however I wanted to handle it. You know, she just gave me that permission. And so I called my mom and I remember so clearly saying to her, I need to know the truth and whatever happens, we can get through it. But uh, you need to tell me, is this man my father? And then she just started wailing, crying on the phone. And I obviously had my answer, but she just said, I never knew. I never knew. And I said, well, how did you not know? I mean, you were actively having a sexual relationship with this man. And then my second question was, does dad know? And she said, oh God, no, he doesn't know. I said, okay, uh, and then I just had to listen to her cry for a minute or two. And then I just said, I, you know, I, I think I got to go and I get off the phone. And then she calls me back about five minutes later saying that she's going to kill herself. And I said, I really hope that you don't do that because you have grandchildren and I don't want to have to explain to them what happened to Nana. And then um, my older sister called her and they talked and she talked her out of committing suicide. And then my mom called me back again and said, uh, I'm, it, this is awful. This was so bad. And I hate saying this, but she said, he raped me. And I said, if that's true, that's awful. And I'm really sorry, but that you're not telling me that to make me feel better. That do, That doesn't make me feel any better. And I can't really worry about how you're responding to this right now, um, knowing that I'm the product of rape doesn't fix this. But I also, I hate to say this, but I, I was like, I also kind of don't believe you because you let him be in my life. You let me drive, him drive me to preschool. You let him be around me all the time. And she said, well, he apologized. And I said, okay, well, uh, I guess we'll deal with that when the time comes, right? We'll deal with that later. And then within a day or two, she's like, uh, she said that the excuse became, well, when you want to have a child and your husband can't give you one, you just go and you get one yourself and that's it. And I was like, so he didn't rape you. And she wouldn't say that she'd lied about that because that's not what she does. She just, she lies a lot. And it's hard to know what's true. But my sisters and I were all like, you know, he didn't rape her. And of course my husband's there going, it's a sad state of affairs when a woman says she was raped and none of her children believe her. And it was, it like broke my heart, but I knew that's what she would say because then it avoids any responsibility for her. And anyways, that was hard to hear. And it was all very hard to go through, but, um, you know, we kind of landed on this thing where she said that she wanted to have a baby so bad that she would do anything. So, um, we kind of landed on that until my younger sister got her results back. And it turns out that she is also this man's child. So this wasn't a desperate act of someone who wanted to have a baby. This is someone who was carrying on a long-term romantic affair with a man who was also married and who also had children of his own. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's when, Things really broke down after my younger sister got her results. Um, that's when I uh, blocked my mom on my phone for a period of time because it was just too much. I I felt like every time I talked to her, I was having to carry the responsibility for her emotional well being as opposed to the other way around. And I'm fully aware that my relationship with my mother has really been very much for a long time. Probably not always, but for a long time, it's been me having to be the adult and her being more of the child role. But I felt in at that time that I really needed to be taken care of. And I really needed someone to worry about me and to ask me if I'm okay. And I just wasn't getting that from her. So I blocked her on my phone for a period of time. And uh, it was a couple months, I think. And it was, to be honest, really good for me to just take care of me and kind of land on some sort of solid ground with all of that. But during that time, my older sister who is my adopted older sister um, was talking to my mom and was trying to help her with her emotional needs during that time and was a great support for my mom. And I was thankful that my mom had that because I And just couldn't be that for her. And so that was the way it was for a good long while. And then uh, she got sick. My mom got this really, it's not terminal, but she got sick and she was in the hospital for a while. And so I called her and I said, you know, physical health is more important than my emotional health. So why don't we just table this conversation and we'll circle back to it when you're healthy, which could be a while but let's circle back to it later and she just wasn't able to do that we would talk and she would just start wailing and she blamed my dad because apparently he had some fertility issues and she blamed my older sister for lying to me about things and she blamed my younger sister for taking a test knowing that she could get these results she just blamed everybody else and it was just it's so painful to be around somebody who just, it felt like she just didn't care that I was hurting or that anybody else was hurting. It was just about how this has all been such a grave injustice to her and that we, you know, it was, I just keep hearing her say, you know, you raise these kids and then you get old and they don't even care about you and they betray you. And this is all just a great betrayal to her. And, So that's been hard, but we are still a work in progress, (laughs) but my relationship to, with my mother is, um, it's very damaged at this point. I, we've sort of landed on a space where I've landed on a space where I, it said that I forgive her for what she did a long time ago. And I've even forgiven her for the way she's handled it and the way she's treated us as someone who's done this to her, I can forgive her for all of it. Because I keep telling myself that someday I might need forgiveness and I need to be able to give her forgiveness. So I'm trying, but it's still so bad. It's still so toxic. It's still, I I will have her, I will allow her to be around my children as much as she wants. but it's become really contentious. Um, as far as like, I don't organize it. If she calls and wants to see the kids, then she can, or I will let her know when my kids have soccer games or dance recitals and she's welcome to come, but I don't really facilitate it. I don't really encourage it because it's so hard to be around her because I've decided that I personally, I cannot tell my father, my, uh, uh, my father who raised me, I can't tell him. And so every time I'm around him, I'm, I feel like I'm lying to him and all of that. But then my mom will say and do things that are still really hurtful. And it makes forgiving her really hard because it's still actively happening. She's still actively saying really cruel things and really hurtful things. And she, I think in the whole almost two years since this has been going on, I don't think she's ever asked if I'm okay. and. I am, but I feel like she's my mom and she should care if I'm okay. And she just doesn't. And the thing is, she probably never really has. I realize now that this story about me being a miracle and me being, you know, the answer to all her prayers, it's not about me at all. It's about her being able to have a baby. It's not about me being a product. It's about her getting her goal of having a baby and she got it and now it's our relationship is just in the garbage it's really bad but we'll talk every once in a while and I mostly just let her talk to the kids because I can't handle her I can't handle the lies and I can't handle feeling like I'm still being manipulated after everything it's so hard So she talks to my kids and they the kids, my children do not know. I know they will know and I will tell them, but not today. I will tell them when they're a little older and they can process it better because asking them to know this is like asking them to lie to their grandfather too, you know, Mm. and I don't, I don't want to make my kids have to lie. So I'll tell them someday, but not today.
0: Yeah. (laughs) really long answer. <laughs> no, it's, you're, you're such a better human being than I, and you still have all parties alive and this mm-hmm. is tricky and you're trying to remain private about it. And, um, it sounds like still have people in your life and, mm-hmm. and your mom, she has taken on the victim role when yeah, that's unfair, that belongs to you and that you're the victim of this. And, yeah, that-
1: It's that's hard for her.
0: Exactly. It sounds like she's not capable of letting, of supporting you with this. And I'm sorry for you. Oh,
1: I'm okay. It's, it'll be fine. I do. I will say this. I have fallen so much more in love with my husband through all this. I mean, we, we've always been good and we've, it's not like we had problems before and we didn't, but he has been such a amazing partner through all this. Like, we handle things very differently. We're very different people, but he's just said, whatever you need, whatever you think is best. He just has trusted me with it. And he has just been so amazing, like more than I could have asked for. And that's been awesome. And I do have my sisters and I do have friends who know what's going on, but I did reach out to my biological father. And again, he's not a stranger, Uh, but I did reach out to him and I wrote him a letter and I told him um, that what's going on because he is a man in his nineties and I wasn't, I didn't really want a relationship with him, but it was really, I had this kind of epiphany where I said to myself, you know, here is a man who's in his nineties, you know, time is marching on. And I read all these other NPE stories that talked about how they wish they had known sooner. So they could have known their biological father and i'm like my biological father lives on the other side of town and he i don't know if he knows about me i don't know if he knows this i i don't know what he knows so maybe i'll give him a chance to tell me what if there's anything he wants to tell me he can so i wrote him a letter that basically said just that here are the facts and if there's anything you want to tell me you can but i'm not asking for anything from you so whatever and uh he called me and We met at a coffee shop and we had to do it at a like secret location because we both live in this town and we don't, you know, we had to be pretty covert about it. But we met and he was actually really sweet about the whole thing. He, um, I think he was really honest with me about what happened back then. And he was really very just kind. And I really appreciated that a lot. Um, I specifically did not get into my relationship with my mother in front of him because I kind of felt like he doesn't know me that well, that I wanted him to be giving me advice on it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But he was, uh, he told me about their relationship and how it did go on and why it went on and why it ended. And, you know, he was, uh, really great. But then he would call me and he would try to be kind of fatherly and ask me about my kids and all of that, which was fine, except for the fact that his wife and his children do not know about me. And he made it very clear that he has no intention of telling them. And I'm not going to make him do anything he doesn't want to do. It's really been a priority for me through this whole thing to not... Push myself into someone's life that doesn't want me there. And I really don't want to blow up anybody's family. Um, but he would call me and then he would call me. And if I didn't answer, he wouldn't leave a message because he doesn't want me to call him back because he doesn't want his family to know about me. And so then he'd just keep calling and he would call between 9 a.m. and noon uh Monday through Friday and I would know his number, but I wasn't supposed to call him back. And that whole dynamic, it made me feel like his mistress. It made me feel dirty. And it made me feel like I don't need him to be my dad. It's just terrible. And I know now that's how he used to meet up with my mom. And it's just gross. I don't want to be that. If you don't want to tell your family, then okay, don't. I'm not going to make you. But don't keep me as a dirty little secret either. Don't make me feel gross about it. Like, it. We met and he was kind and I so appreciate that. I actually really genuinely do. But then I ended up just not ever answering his calls. I see when he calls and I just don't answer. And I feel deep down, I do feel bad about that, but I just can't. I just can't put myself in that position. If he is going to tell his family, about me and about my younger sister, and about what happened a long time ago, then maybe there could be a conversation there. But I don't have any relationship with him right now or his children. As far as I know, the one daughter knows about me and the other don't. And when I did meet with him, I was like, you know, this is a small town, and eventually your children are all gonna know this. It, it's going to get out eventually. And he's like, well, hopefully it's after I die. And that was the way you wanted to leave it. And I'm like, okay, then wow. that's the way we're going to leave it. Then don't call me and don't pretend like you're my dad. You're not my dad. You're my dad is a nice man who raised me, who you used to play golf with. Like I, he's not It's not you and I just so I stopped answering his calls and he still calls periodically and I just don't answer Because I just don't I just I can't I can't pretend with that. That's it's so gross. It's so gross to have that Knowledge of that's how he used to call my mom and that's how he's calling me now. It's so gross
0: So yeah, that doesn't feel good for you.
1: No, it's terrible but now I you know I have reestablished my own boundaries with everything. You know, when I talk to my mom, if she starts saying anything about this, I just abort mission and I just don't talk to her. And it's not healthy and it's not a good place to be with your mother, but it's just, I can't do it. I'm not capable. And I'd like to say that, you know, I've moved past this and I don't, get sad when I have to look in a mirror anymore, but I just, I can't be lied to. And I can't be, you know, when I'm around my dad, I just get really sad because I know we're all lying to him. But Mm -hmm. if I were to tell him, it would literally break his heart and he's not going to leave her. I mean, he's a man in his eighties now. He needs her. He physically and emotionally needs her. He's not going to leave. What's he going to do? So if I tell him the truth, he's just going to resent me. It's Mm -hmm. not going to fix anything. And my younger sister is in a moment now where she wants to tell him. And I said, because she has cut my parents out completely. She doesn't, she will call my dad, but she doesn't speak to my mom at all. And. My dad knows, and he says that she's hurting my mother, and she, but he doesn't have the full story, and he doesn't know what's going on. So she's at a point now where she says, I'm ready. I want to tell dad. And I said to her, it's your story, and you can do with it whatever you want, but it's not going to have the benefit. It's not going to do what you think it's going to do. He's not going to say, oh, well, that makes sense. I fully get why you wouldn't be upset with mom. Okay let's move on, go forward from that. No, it's going to kill him. And I can't be that person. And I won't. And if she wants to, then I hope she lets me know as soon as she does it so I can field that phone call. But I don't really, I can't bring myself to do it. I just can't hurt him like that. So it's been a real growing experience. I've had to like face, you know, the things about my mom that I really, really tried hard to ignore. I've read a couple of really good books about parents who, uh, have, uh, certain mental illnesses. Um, my therapist recommended, um, uh, walking on eggshells, which Mm -hmm. is about parents with, um, dealing with family members who have borderline personality disorder, which she Mm -hmm. thinks my mom has. It is not a clinical diagnosis, but I, she's never met my mother, but based on what I tell her, that's what she thinks. And, um, also, um, children of the self-absorbed, which is about parents who are narcissistic. And that has given me some really good insight into how I'm responding to it. But no matter what I do, I know I'm not going to change her. I could sit with her and bring her to therapy with me and we could kumbaya about it all day, but she's still going to be exactly who she's always been and so i just have to live my life around that i guess and that's that's the best i can do but it has really it has changed this whole experience has changed me in ways that i don't think it's the all for the better i think i've become much more realistic you know i think we're naive to think that we really understand our parents relationships we don't and that's okay i think that I was a little idyllic in the way I remembered my family, and I think I've been forced to face the fact that that was a lot of fiction. A lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it was fictionalized. Um, And you know, I've I've become closer with certain people, and I've grown apart from a lot of people through all this. And it's been very isolating, but. At the end of the day, I mean, I have my own young family and I have a husband who I really love. And I have, you know, on paper, everything that somebody could want. So my life is good. It's just this part of it's been pretty gross.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: you know, but that's that's most of the story, I guess. I'm sure there's a million other things. It's been two years of just... Constant reflection and introspection and sadness, but you know, at some point, this has got to, this has got to get significantly better, right? I don't, I don't know when, but one of these days I'll wake up and
0: feel like I've got a full handle on it and i'm sitting here nodding along completely identifying <laughs> with this. I, yeah, this is i mean our our stories aren't complete. This is just where they are today. And yeah. so really thank you. Thank you for sharing all of this today.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, oh Kathleen, gosh, that's what a story. <gasps> <laughs>
1: I don't know if it's, uh, I I don't know, you read everybody's and they're all so heavy and they're all so hard. And I just, Mm -hmm. you read the ones that have like these happy endings where they have new siblings and they're, you know, everything is great. And all these new Christmas cards. And I'm just, I, I'm just not there. And I don't know if we're ever going to get there, but I really, I'm sincerely, I couldn't, ask for a better family that I've made myself. You know, my kids are healthy and happy and you know, it's Christmas time and life is good. It's just when you start thinking about all this other darkness, it's just really sad. And I truly don't know how I'm ever going to explain this to my kids. I really don't. It's just, it's going to hurt them so much. And I hate thinking about it, but I know it's coming. Some, one of, There'll probably be young adults, but I, I know it's going to hurt them. I hate thinking about
0: hurting my kids. Yeah. You sound like you know, you're a really good, careful, considerate mother and loving.
1: <laughs> I'm trying. You, you should hear me at 730 in the morning when I'm trying to get everybody on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Then <laughs> it's less so, <laughs> but on the whole, I really try. I actually have email addresses for each of my kids and I'll like shoot them quick emails, about like funny things they say or do or whatever. And I, when this whole thing really snowballed out of control, I sent them all an email and I was like, guys, I know you're not going to understand what I'm talking about, but lately I've been really sad and I've been dealing with a lot. And I hope that if you look back in your childhood and you remember this time, I hope you know that I'm really trying and I'm like, this is hard, but you'll understand it better when you're older. And I, so, but I'm like, I email them and I, they don't have the passwords when they're like young adults. I'll give them all the passwords. And I'm like, this won't, maybe won't make sense and maybe it won't mean anything, but I'm like, it's just, I don't know. It's held me together. It really has having my husband and my kids and my close friends, like that's held me together. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that.
0: Thanks again to Kathleen for sharing today. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE that would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.